This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's time for some podcast reviews. M. Dizzle, the best podcast for women's empowerment and positive self-awareness. Thank you, Lisa. You are very welcome. What's up, guys? So Tom and I started Impact Theory a few years ago now, and our big goal was to really create impact like actually create impact no bs not just talking about it but to actually do it and so for us it was definitely the shows that we've created impact theory show hosted by my husband women of impact hosted by myself but then also we started itu which is impact theory university because for some people motivational videos or content isn't enough they actually want a breakdown and a strategy on how to improve and grow their mindset or their business so tom and i got together we put our heads together and we finally created and launched impact theory university and that's what i want to talk about right now I'm always hearing from so many of you Women of Impact fans who tell me that they're feeling stuck and in in the constant cycle of just everyday life and they have no idea how to break free or out of that. So many of you tell me how you want to start a business, how you want to fix your mindset, but you're just freaking terrified, which I don't blame you. You have no idea what you're taking on or what the first step is. And I know, guys, how terrifying that can be. So that is exactly why Tom and I have created Impact Theory University. Let me actually explain a little about what Impact Theory University is. Its courses and coaching are designed to give you the foundational skills needed to put you on a path to achieving success at the highest level. You'll find 15 plus hours of structured education within each track and you can learn directly from Impact Theory host and my hubby Tom Billu. and we also have other expert guest instructors across multiple disciplines so it covers all areas. With Impact Theory University, guys, you can join Tom Billu, aka my hubby, each month as he delivers a power-packed live hour-long class, which we also do a bonus hour-long live office hours Q&A session. So you literally can come on and ask him anything you like. You'll also have access to additional personal and community activation challenges to help you implement challenges in your everyday life. So we do things like book challenges, cold shower challenges. It's so much fun. You can choose from Impact Theory University's mindset or business track and monthly programs start at $47 per month. And guys, that's only $1.57 per day. To learn more all about the exciting programs and everything that we're doing at Impact Theory University, visit university.impacttheory.com or click the link in our episode show notes. Once again, guys, that's university.impacttheory.com or click the link in our episode show notes. And remember, guys, be the hero of your own life. Love can be intoxicating. It can make you feel like the sun is out on a rainy day, like the birds are chirping during a thunderstorm. In fact, falling in love can not only be magical, it can be easy. You see, falling in love isn't what most people struggle with. It's staying in love that can be the challenge. Overcoming jealousy, insecurities, differences, mistakes, resentments, and grudges is freaking difficult. And like arsenic, it can be a slow poison that if not addressed, will kill your relationship. But luckily for us, today's Woman of Impact is our love surgeon, here to help us revive the beating heart of our relationship. 
a licensed therapist, nationally certified counsellor and host of Love Goes On Own, she aims to empower people with the skills, tools and information vital to developing, sustaining, maximising healthy, intimate relationships. So guys, please help me in welcoming the woman pretty much called upon on every television outlet, including Dr. Phil, Divorce Court, Steve Harvey, to give her expert relationship advice. The lovely spirit. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited while I'm blushing by that introduction. <laughs> Where I want to start is I heard you say something super freaking powerful, which was there's a massive difference between chemistry and compatibility. Oh, and yeah. like I'd mentioned in my intro, chemistry sometimes it just happens you don't have to work at it sometimes it's just sparks flying and you can't help it and there's like such fire between you and that is nature's way of making sure that we procreate right so that's it that is exactly it and so it's all chemical you're not in control of that that's why sometimes if you've ever walked into a room and you've been like oh my gosh, our eyes locked and I was just on fire and everything about them is amazing. And sometimes you don't even want to let them go when you realize they're not the right person for you out of the bedroom and you go, everything else is wrong with this relationship. But my gosh, when we're together, the fire is just incredible. That is chemistry, my dear. Right. But that doesn't last, right? Nature makes sure that you procreate and you basically move on. So exactly. I've been married now for 18 years. Wow. I just had my 18 year wedding anniversary and it has been very difficult, hard work, but mm -hmm. the most beautiful work I could ever possibly do in my life. But yeah. the reason why we have been able to sustain 18 years is because every step of the way we have been in communication about what works for him, what works for me and our compatibility as we change and grow. Like one thing I was very aware of, and I would love to dive so deep with you, girl, is to talk about addressing issues as they come up how mm -hmm. to make sure that you are compatible and not just staying with someone because you're holding on to an old fiction yeah. of what you thought you were or were going to be. Yeah. Um, and then making sure that you're addressing that so you don't hold on to resentment and grudges mm -hmm. because those are the things that I think will eventually be the downfall to people's relationships. And it becomes a point where it's been splintered for too long. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about the process from chemistry to then finding out if you're compatible and yes. then we can go down to how we can make sure that we don't then become resentful and grudgeful down the road. I love this. We are talking about everything that I want to talk about. So this is so exciting. <laughs> okay. And it's important too. And the reason for that is because oftentimes people are afraid as chemistry changes, they're afraid and they mistake the chemistry changing for them falling out of love. Okay. So what happens is when we first have initial chemistry, we call it NRE, which stands for new relationship energy. When we have new relationship energy with somebody that we first start dating, it's everything is incredible. Everything is amazing and intense. And our bodies literally respond to that chemistry. We have more dopamine flowing in our bodies, more adrenaline flowing. It's literally a chemical process that allows us to feel what feels like love, but it actually is lust, right? So just like you said, it's the thing that really makes our heart beat faster. It makes our palms sweaty. It makes our pupils dilate. 
the thing that gives us butterflies in our stomach when we're talking about or see the person. And so that actually lasts roughly for about 18 to 24 months. And just as you said, for the exact reason, it's all about procreating. That's why early in our relationships, we find that we are having sex like rabbits. And all we want to do is really just be with them and experience them in any and every way possible. Well, it's your body's way of tricking you into actually getting pregnant, right? But because after we get pregnant, we can't keep focusing on one another, like we actually have to focus on the offspring that we've actually created, the brain goes through another chemical process around 18 to 24 months. And so now, instead of us having all that new relationship energy, now we've got bonding hormones present. So all the oxytocin, all the, the, the good feelings that make us feel more like we're great friends, something almost like how you would feel for a sibling or your best girlfriend or your best guy friend. And all of a sudden, if we're not careful and we don't know what that is, we go, eh, this relationship has lost its fire. It doesn't really have the same flair. And some people will mistakenly go off to start other relationships in search of that new relationship energy. And other people will say, oh, okay, well, I guess this is what relationships are. So now I'm going to accept kind of this humdrum, mellow kind of thing instead of looking to revive my relationship over and over again. So we have to talk about that new relationship energy because when we're in that space also, our brains are so love drunk, literally, (laughs) that we're not sure whether or not we're compatible with somebody. We actually may mistake that chemistry for compatibility, but compatibility is actually very different. And compatibility is about how do we line up in the areas of our lives in such a way that if you never changed and I never changed, we would still fit like a glove and we would both be happy and have our needs met in this relationship for the rest of our lives. So how do you then start to work on that compatibility for a long-term relationship? Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's going to be many elements. I call it like dust settling. So Mm -hmm. let's say you're not compatible and you you butt heads on something. It's like, okay, well, you still have a bit of the flutter, so you don't really address it. And so the dust kind of settles. And then a year goes by and you still don't really say anything. And that thing that you kind of thought was annoying, but you still love them for it now is just freaking annoying. Right. Um, And it starts to build up. And just like dust settling, it becomes so big it's, you can't clean it anymore. Yeah, they're deal breakers. And it's so funny, you know, I just found this meme the other day that I shared with my husband and I said, this is how relationships work. And it said, you know, early in the relationship, when you're first lying together in bed at night, all you want to do is put your head on their chest and listen to their heartbeat. And that is the rhythm that rocks you to sleep. And then somewhere years later, you go, you know, I'm going to record you at night so you can hear how loud you're snoring because I want to kill you and I want you to know it too, right? Right. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like that didn't happen overnight, right? It's right, not like you right. woke up one day and went, oh, yesterday I loved it and now he just freaking annoys me. So where's the gap? Because that's, yeah. I think, something that we people don't talk about enough about how to avoid those exactly. little things that end up becoming like the biggest freaking splinter in your relationship. Yeah. 
And I say you have to learn these things so that you can avoid what I call a starter marriage, which is you marry for the wrong reasons. All of a sudden, somewhere down the road, years later, you find that this is not the relationship for you. And unfortunately, in order for both of you to be happy, you wind up having to leave and be with other people and take what you learned with you. So these are the tools and the lessons that we really need to learn in order to avoid the starter marriage, okay? And so what I like to tell people is when you are dating, that is the perfect time to really really go slow and take stock. And you have to see dating much like you see interviewing for a job. So if you've ever been a supervisor or a manager, I want you to think about dating in the very same way because you are hiring for the most important position on earth. (laughs) And that position is for your life mate. And that's how we have to see dating. We have to look at the individuals that we are dating as potential candidates to fill this position instead of dating, thinking that this person is supposed to be our life mate. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, we give boyfriends or girlfriends the husband or wife experience when we don't even know if we should be hiring them for that position. Okay, so it's got to be like a test drive. So when we're first interviewing people, they're like candidates and you go, well, tell me about yourself. Well, tell me where you're from. And you're thinking about them within context of your employment, right? In in terms of the organization that you're thinking about having them come on board. You might like them and interview them a second time or a third time. You may have them meet other employees of the company in social settings, over dinner, or in the boardroom during meetings. Dating should be very similar to that because what you're wanting to learn is who this person is. You're wanting to get past the representative, right? Because their representative is not who they are. Their representative is who they think you want them to be. So that's very important because they're filtering you and trying to adjust while you're filtering them. Mm -hmm. So we've got all this early filtering going on and we need to see them in different environments and then compare, do they actually appear to be who they say that they are over time, right? Because people will tell you one thing, but their behavior can tell you something completely different. It takes time in order to see that. And the hard part is, unfortunately, not only do we often jump in bed too quickly, and the reason why the jumping in bed is important is because the moment that we bring sex in, all of those hormones flood our systems and it clouds our judgment. Again, we go back to being love drunk. I literally am intoxicated the moment that I have sex with you and I am not going to see you the same. So it's like going to bed at two with a 10 and then waking up at 10 with a two. What do you mean by that? I I mean, so if I'm partying, I'm having a great time. By the time I go to the club and it's 2 a.m., the person that I'm leaving with in my drunken state, Uh. in my high state, in my party state, they are a 10. (laughs) It's two in the morning, I'm feeling great. Everything is wonderful. I am going home with a 10, okay? Then at 10 in the morning, after all of those intoxicants have come out of my bloodstream and I'm sober and I roll over and I wake up with you and all of your makeup is on the pillowcase or all of my (laughs) face hair as the man is on the pillowcase and we've taken off all of the lashes and the nails and I get to see you, all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, who are you? You're a two. You are not a 10. You are a two. You are not somebody that I would have actually dated. 
So we need to be able to see that person with a clear eye. And sex complicates that because it literally clouds our brain. It gives us a brain fog. So the longer that we can hold out on the sex, the more objective we can be about who the person is. Mm. That's important. The other part of this is we have to know that over time, time is what allows us to see a person in different situations. We can talk about theoretically whether or not we think we line up in a particular way, but having actual experiences where we're challenged to see who we are is totally different, which is why to go back to the starter marriage, I often tell folks, if you really want to know who somebody is, divorce them, right? Or break up with them. Many people learn way more about a person at the end of a relationship than they did in the entire relationship. So it is not about time that heals all wounds or creates something different, but what you do with that time. So therefore, it is also important in terms of compatibility, how we date a person. If every time we date, we just go out to dinner and a movie, we're not having any conversation. How do I know about you? How do I know about how you handle challenges? How do I know how you handle being caught off guard? How do I know how you handle social settings? How do I know how you treat other people? If we only date in places and spaces that never really show me who you are, but now when we're together, I'm not dating you to just have fun nights. I'm dating you in places and spaces that require the full range of you to show up. If we don't ever exercise that point of who we are until we're already married or until we've already moved in together or we've already created children or other kind of lifetime commitments that find us stuck together, we've created a whole set of problems for ourselves that now we may be resentful of. Now we may be frustrated with. Now we may become annoyed because I'm stuck with you in a different way and I'm gonna make different choices based upon those consequences that we've already created. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply.
As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. That was so amazing, girl. That was fire. Um, so I understand in asking the questions. I love that. Take your time. Um, the one thing I always say is you earn your credibility. So it's yeah. over time, right? It's like when you need them, are they going to be there? They, they may say they are, but time and time again, if you've asked, have they showed up? So it's kind of like over time, test, not even test them, but like put them in different situations. I freaking love that so much. Um, so, but what happens though, especially let's say someone like me who's married young, you change over time. Mm-hmm. And so certain things that, you know, may come up as your partner is changing becomes more and more irritable. But again, it's like, well, we've been together for five years or whatever. And so you, you often make excuses for the little things that start to frustrate you mm-hmm. only for it to then build, 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 build. So mm-hmm. let's say someone hasn't, you know, is in the middle of their relationship. And so what you have just said has already passed. They have, they're, they're stuck. They're, they're like, stuck. we're together. Exactly. They're stuck with me. <laughs> Especially while we're in quarantine and things like that. So. Uh-huh. How would you then advise somebody? In fact, here's a question. If you have some animosity or resentment or grudge, whatever word you want to use towards someone, whose responsibility is it to get over it? Ah, okay. So the real answer to that is that it's both of your problem because there are three parts to this scenario. There's you, there's your partner, and there's the relationship. And the relationship is its own living, breathing entity. And it's up to the two of you to constantly work together in partnership to resolve the problems in your relationship. So I often tell people, you are not the problem and your partner is not the problem. The problems are the problem and it's up to the two of you to work together as a team to solve the problems. What typically happens though is when one of us is frustrated about a thing, we personalize it and blame the person, right? You are the thing that's making me feel this way. Instead of owning, I feel a particular kind of way or I'm having a particular kind of experience in this relationship with you and that's not the experience that I want. So we spend, unfortunately, too much time talking about the problems Mm -hmm. and not the solution. 
Oftentimes when I have couples that come in for couples counseling, they can tell me ad nauseum what the problems are in their relationship, right? Because they've talked about it a thousand times. They can say, it was 1976 and you had on the purple shirt and I was wearing that and we were standing over there and we go, guys, so let me make sure we're arguing about something that happened 44, 45 years ago. Okay, so now. The problem is because couples get hung up on talking about the problem instead of we understand, we have communicated, we're in agreement that we know what the problem is, even if we don't see it the same way. We've identified succinctly what the problem is. Now what we're going to do is not talk about the problem anymore, but we're going to talk about all the possible solutions for the problem, whether we're going to implement them or not. Let's just weigh out our options and see what they are. Now, once we brainstorm all of the solutions, we are then going to pick one or two of those solutions to try, okay? Who's gonna be responsible for what? Well, I'm gonna have to do this part, and that means that I'll have to do this part. Okay, I'm in agreement. Once we come up with the solutions, we have to decide then how long to try those solutions for. Mm. All too often we say, okay, that's fine, so I'm just gonna do that going forward, that is what it is. But because old habits die hard and sometimes they don't die at all, it's important that we decide we're gonna try this a new way for a specific amount of time, for the next 24 hours, for the next three days, for the next month, and then we're gonna come back to the table to evaluate how well that solution worked. If it worked, great, then you continue and you do more of that. But if it didn't work, oh, I forgot I was supposed to be doing that. Oh, I didn't realize you were doing it and that didn't work. We still have the problem. Now we need to get rid of those because those weren't viable solutions for us. We need to go back to the solutions that we proposed and try something else. But unfortunately, what happens is I'm having a particular experience in this relationship. I don't feel like you're getting it. You don't understand it. We're not talking about the actual problem. We're talking about examples of the problem. I call them the leaves on the trees and we never get to the root of the thing. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about all these things that never actually resolve the problem. And over time, I just become resentful. I become frustrated. I withdraw. I check out. Whatever happens, we stop being on the same team in pursuit of solving the problem. Oh my God, so true. And the fact that you put emotion and you connect emotion to all this, like forget it, right? It's just, yeah. it becomes this perpetual, like, no, you did this and you did this and it becomes the blaming game. And what I so freaking love about what you just laid out is it's so binary. It's let's do mm -hmm. this. Let's test it for 24 hours. Let's come back together and let's see how we feel. Did we do it or not? Yes, we did it. Did it work? No. Cool. Move on. Right. It's, yes. it's like, it's such a business mind as well. And I love it because it removes the emotion of whatever mm -hmm. you're feeling right then, which can mm -hmm. cloud how you are approaching the, uh, the solution. Yes. Because you know, what I really want to do as a therapist is to demystify relationships. I really don't want people to walk around thinking this Disney fairy tale that maybe there's a Prince Charming out there. And if I'm lucky, I might meet them. Or there is this princess out there. It's like, no, there is a science to relationships. And if you learn the science, not only can you have the kind of relationship that you want, you can control the intensity of it. You can control the duration of it. You can control the quality of it. 
There is a science to every single thing. We just haven't learned how to do it. So I like to break it down into very pragmatic ways mm -hmm. for people to go, oh my gosh, this makes sense to me. Oh, wait a minute. I thought they were the problem. Wait, I'm the problem. I haven't learned how to do it right. I'm not talking about the right thing. I'm not communicating the right thing in order to get what it is that I want. Everything starts with us as the individual and then radiates outward. And if you don't understand that, that's because either you haven't learned to be connected to all the parts of yourself or somewhere along the line, somebody told you that what you needed and wanted wasn't important enough for you to express and advocate for you getting what you want in order to be happy. That is so true how much of our past carries over into that. So whether it be oh, past yes. relationships or even just parents and teachers. Oh, it, it goes to childhood, to grandparent stuff, to great grandparent <laughs> stuff. Like we learn how to come into relationship through the presence or the absence of the people in our lives, whether it's our parents being in relationship and how they did it, step parents and, and extras, parents staying single, quality of relationship. We learn how to do it. And then as adults, we're just simply reenacting the same patterns over and over from our past. That is so true. The, the advice my grandmother gave me just before I got married, she's, I'm Greek. So she came from a tiny village of this really, really old Greek woman, can't speak a word of English. And she pulls me aside and she's like, look, if Tom has to hit you, don't worry. It probably means you deserve it. My oh. grandmother, and so it's like, I understand where she comes from. So I actually just mm -hmm. thought it was quite funny. Mm -hmm. um, but there is something actually heartbreaking to it in that that's the belief that she had growing up. And mm -hmm. what if I was born, not in London, but what if I was born in that same village? Right. I wouldn't have thought of it as, oh, yeah, yeah, you're so cute. I would have gone, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I love what you're saying about it just not being your parents, but yeah. basically where you come from, where your parents have come from, mm -hmm. your great grandparents. Um, and how tightly you're still connected to that. Because like you said, had you still been there, had you still been a part right. of that culture, it may have been supported in a different way. Yeah. So if you were in a situation and your partner struck you, you may be supported in a different way. People might say, girlfriend, you don't have to take that. Let us help you, let us rescue you. And all of a sudden you go, okay, I matter and that's not acceptable. But had you been back there, then it might've been, well, what did you do? Yes. Well, go back and apologize, right? That yes. teaches you a different experience. And that's yeah. what I so freaking love about you, your message and everything you do, because you, um, eliminate the emotion when you're giving people advice. And it's so tactical that yeah. no matter where you're from, what your beliefs are, you do the try this and this, right? And so it's like you're, you're kind of able to cross all these boundaries and all these other people's beliefs and visions of what mm -hmm. they think a relationship should be, can be. And you're mm -hmm. kind of just breaking that down with very tactical um, guidelines. And yes which I think is so impactful, girl. Like that's yeah. so freaking amazing. Oh, that's so awesome. Listen, I tell people at the end of the day, we all are human beings and to break us down into our smallest parts, there are three parts of ourselves, okay? There are our feelings, our thoughts, and our behaviors, okay? Your feelings are your body's alarm systems to what you need, okay? So for example, if I'm cold, 
that's a feeling. If I'm hungry, that's a feeling. If I'm horny, that's a feeling. Everything that we are boils down to our feelings of what we need. Our thought process are the strategies that we think about in order to get our needs or our feelings met. Okay. And our behaviors are what we execute, the strategies that we execute all in pursuit of getting our need met. So for example, if I'm hungry, I may then think, okay, so I'm hungry. How am I going to no longer be hungry? Well, I could go in the kitchen and cook. I could go to the local deli and go buy something. Okay. Yeah, I'm tired. So I'm going to just go buy something. So then we get up and we go down the street and we buy what it is that we need in order to satisfy the hunger. Okay. So now the behavior is I get up and I go do a thing. The important thing that we need to remember, though, is that as it relates to our feelings or our needs, by the time that we feel them or recognize that we have a need, we're already operating at a deficit. (laughs) So we're already slightly in trouble. By the time I realize that I'm thirsty, I'm already dehydrated. Right. By the time I recognize that I'm hungry, I'm already in need of nutrients. And we also need to know that our needs are different over time. They're more intense or less intense over time. Sometimes I'm ravenous. I could absolutely eat an entire cow. And other times, oh, I could go for a nosh, just like something to take the edge off. But if we're not in tune with our own needs, one, we can't communicate that to somebody else. And two, we can't properly figure out what options or strategies we need to execute in order to get our needs met. And so unfortunately, when we're disconnected from our needs, when we're disconnected from our feelings, then how do we enter into partnership with someone else, expecting them to be able to meet what we don't even know how to identify for ourselves? And that's important in relationship because I cannot respond to what my partner doesn't communicate. And I can't help to meet a need and know how to behave or show up in order to help get the need met if I don't even know it or can't communicate it for myself. That's amazing. But what happens if the wiring is crossed? So mm-hmm. you you say, okay, I feel really lonely. So, um, or like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling lonely, so I go to a bar, right? Mm-hmm. And so my behavior is, I don't wanna be, I feel lonely, so my behavior is let's find someone to not be lonely with. So mm-hmm. let's say you pick someone up and then you realize the next day that didn't fill the hole that you thought it would. And so now Mm -hmm. your behaviors, your feelings, and your thoughts all are actually working against each other instead of working Mm -hmm. for each other. So they're out of sync, right? So that means that I'm executing the wrong strategies, which oftentimes is the problem. That's why in therapy, when we talk about cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT, we're talking about if you can change the way that a person thinks and the way they behave, everything else falls in line, right? So if I'm feeling lonely, only one of the strategies that I thought about was go to a bar. Now, perhaps I only thought about that strategy because I don't know anything else. I don't have any other options or coping skills. I haven't expanded myself enough to know that there are other options or other means to get my need met. How you know if you have the right strategy, much like when we were talking about solutions, how you know if you have the right solution is I actually went to the bar. I did everything that I did. Did it satisfy my need? 
If it didn't, then I need to go back to the drawing board and how I'm thinking about getting the need met. And sometimes I have other options that I've thought about, but I haven't tried them or I need some help, maybe some professional help, maybe my social support, friends, family, maybe some online learning. But I need to figure out some new strategies and how to meet people to satisfy this cure for loneliness. And sometimes it becomes so convoluted because we may have trauma or other experiences where there are other needs that have to be met before that need can even be touched. So perhaps if I have abandonment issues or if I have a trauma history, perhaps the reason why I feel lonely is because I can't execute the right behaviors in order to connect with people. I go to bars when I should be going to bookstores. I talk to guys when I should be talking to girls. I'm thinking sex when I need to be thinking emotional intimacy, but I'm thinking about and executing the wrong behaviors that are not meeting my needs.